and was a little bit of a rebel kid, things like that. And he walked up to me and he just looked at me and I'd never met him before. He says, hey, I'm not an athlete. You got me thinking today like I've never thought before. Shook my hand and walked away. That's the paycheck. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Guild Stories, the podcast where every person has a story, and it's the stories that connect us all. I'm Justin Rickliffs, founder and CEO of Guild Content, husband of Brooke, and father of five young people. And I'm joined today by my lovely co-host, who happens to be my wife as well. Hey, guys, I'm Brooke, owner of Reclaim the Home, Justin's wife and mother of five. We're so grateful you're here. This podcast is a place where we'll explore the stories of hustlers, dreamers, and doers who are going for it by pursuing meaningful work and living life with purpose. Welcome to Guild Stories. We're fired up for today's guest. Um, we've got Rob Miller, which you're going to hear all about his awesome story. Um, but Rob is the commissioner of the Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference. He's also a presenter for Proactive Coaching, which is an online community um, that has uh, most major brands envious because they've got over 900,000 Facebook followers and just this massive engaging, really cool community of folks. Um, he has been known to create character-based team cultures. Um, he helps, helps folks kind of corporate and, and athletic, uh, leaders develop a blueprint for team leadership. Um, he develops confident, tough-minded, fearless competitors and trains coaches for excellence and significance. And I think you're going to be um, super blown away by our interview today and our time with Rob. So, Rob, welcome to the show, man. Thanks. It's good to be here. Yeah, good to have you. So, you're a busy guy. I think at one point you told me you spend um, how many roughly nights? About away? half the year. About half the year, I'm gone. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, and and when you're gone, what's what's life look like for you? What are you doing? Well, it's fun because most of my time, probably eighty percent of my time, I'm traveling all across the country uh, into Canada, even been across seas, just to go work with high schools, colleges, club programs, and now more businesses to help create that culture, that intentional culture. Because I think so many times we think it's going to happen, and, and you got to be so intentional about creating it, or it doesn't happen. Or mm -hmm. you'll create a culture. Might not be what you want, but you'll create a culture. Can you intentionally build the culture you want? And so my days are to go in and spend time with leaders and, and people and, and the whole team members, whatever it is, and just engage and get them to own it. That's the key. Own it. Mm -hmm. What's the, uh, man, uh, so many questions, but back us up. W where'd you grow up? What's a little bit about your story, your background, and, and ultimately kind of get, get, how did you get into this? Um, developing leaders and developing. I have no idea. No, just, <laughs> um, my background is I grew up in a small town in Michigan, uh, okay. up in the thumb of Michigan. So right, not very close to Lake Huron. My dad was a large animal veterinarian and my mm. mom worked at the local hospital and, and uh, you engaged, you were part of everything, you know, and, and I think that is part of the culture that helped me because everybody was part of this culture, whether it was school, whether it was church, whether it was everybody was part of that farming community. Uh, I went on to play college basketball at an NAI school in Michigan, Spring Arbor College, it's now university. Um, played there for four years, was captain. You know, it was kind of interesting because I started out, I think the first year I always laugh, I think I still have another year of eligibility because I never made it off the bench. <laughs> and by right. my senior year, I was starting and captain uh, it was a great experience for me. I learned, and I think this is one thing I share with people. I learned more about the game of basketball my freshman year of college when I sat on the bench than I did at any other time in my career because it gave me a chance to sit and watch, a chance to learn from people who were really good at it and not, not get, and it, it, to me that just blossomed me as, as a player and eventually I think as a coach. I coached for, for a number of years, high school and college, um, uh, 
some I did some girls for a couple of years, but I did guys primarily. Okay, and where? Uh, that was at home in, in the, okay. well in Michigan yeah. around the Jackson Michigan area. Cool. All of that happened, and I coached my alma mater. That's where I was the head coach That's for many cool. years. Um, I then uh, ended up, uh, and it was fun for this. I got the chance then to go to Michigan State, get my master's, and work there for three years in the mm-hmm. athletic department. And now I saw both ends of it. So I knew what D1 looked like and was very entrenched in that. I came from small college. Mm. I knew personally my my place was at small college, but I came to appreciate everything that went on around major college athletics, mm. you know, and yeah. some of the things that no one sees on the outside, you know, sure. that, that's happening. Um, and from there, I was hired at the National uh, Christian College Athletic Association to be their, uh, first of all, their director of development and then the executive director. Uh, which was about 100, at that time, about 120 colleges and universities across the country. And that led me to the NAI. Mm-hmm. And I came to the NAI uh, in 2000, and they asked me to help run a coach's education program. And, okay, what's that going to look like? What's that mean, right? And the one thing I knew was this. Most coaches, most business people, et cetera, we need a strong philosophy, but we live in an application world. Mm-hmm. And coaches... Know the need to have a philosophy, but what's going to help me tomorrow I can implement and practice that gets my team better? And mm-hmm. that's the direction I wanted to take. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I got this wonderful opportunity to meet. Uh, I had a friend call me from the Pacific Northwest that says, this guy that just retired out here, but he's speaking on culture. You need to meet him. And so I went up, and Bruce Brown, who's our founder and my partner, okay. and his wife, Dana, and I went up and I heard him speak, and, and Steve Baker was the uh, NAI CEO at the time. And I called him back, and I says, I, I know you don't have this budget, but I just hired a guy. <laughs> so, um, and, uh, We're going to figure it out. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. he was all about application, building culture, not only because it's the right thing to do, but it allows your teams to succeed. Mm. When we build that culture, we, defer, we describe characters making better decisions on effort and behavior. Now, think about that in any area, athletics, business. If we have people making better decisions on effort and behavior, we're going to produce at a higher level. We produce at a higher level, we've got a better chance to reach potential, which is our whole aspect. Let's reach Mm -hmm. potential. And then when you reach potential, the side outcome for us, and it's not the major, the major outcome is potential. The side outcome is success. Mm -hmm. And who doesn't want to do that? The main reason is it's the right thing to do. But the second reason is a pretty Mm -hmm. good one. Let's be successful while we're doing it. That's great. Yeah. And so that's kind of been my path. And then in 08, uh, we both left the NAI, though we're really close to it still. Mm-hmm. Um, we left to do this full time. And, uh, and Bruce. Bruce and I. Yeah. 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 And uh, Bruce and I, yeah, well, Bruce brought me along because he was already doing this. He worked for the NAI and had his proactive coaching company. Great. And I was at the NAI, and he was part of our staff as yeah. well. Yeah. And then in 08, when we left, um, I... Um, I joined his staff, and at that time, Chris, I'm thinking, am I gonna, is anybody going to hire me to speak? Right. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, don't know. Tell me, I don't, was that a scary moment? Yeah, oh, like, yeah. Because yeah, you, you have family there, and kids and, and that, that thing, came right? down to, to just faith mm-hmm. and to put it, you know, in our in our situation, put it in God's hand and say, here mm-hmm. we go. My wife mm-hmm. was a teacher here in Liberty, Missouri, and, and so and we went after it. And so I took a commissioner's mm-hmm. job, and then I had a commissioner's job down in Florida, which has now led back to my home conference in Michigan. Got it. And so Got I've it. kept that while doing the speaking, even though speaking's become my travel and probably where I do spend most of my yeah. time. Um, the, the, the aspect of being able to be stay involved in the day-to-day business of the mm-hmm. college athletics has helped, I believe, both ends for sure. me. Because I stay right in the, what's our issues of today? 
And so that's really helped me at both ends. And, uh, and that's kind of led to where we are now with, as you said, you know, that our, our Facebook page is over 800, closing in on 900,000 people, which we still don't know how we did it. Cause we didn't, did no promotion of it. We just, <laughs> just and Bruce gets all the credit for posting and being consistent and relevant yeah. on that. Um, and we, uh, we speak about, uh, we now have a staff of about eight speakers. I do about probably 70% of the speaking. Mm. Um, Bruce is not speaking as much anymore. He's doing some online, uh, I would call it mentoring, one-on-one uh, mm. -on -one with coaches, things like that. Uh, and uh, still speaks a little, but that's what he does. And then we brought on some special people we believe help us in, in different areas. They don't speak a lot, 10 to 15 times a year, but we think they're great. You know, we have, awesome. we have one speaker. He's the head football coach, head band director at his high school. Whoa. Both? Both. Oh. And he's very successful at both. And that's because it's culture building. And that's why we want him on our staff. We have another one that we just brought on that's um, his expert where he coaches and builds culture, handicap basketball teams for Team USA. Wow. And he's speaking across the country as if you might have seen some of this that's going on, no cooperative athletics, yeah. Yeah. which is, I think, the best thing I've seen in mm -hmm. ages. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to bring together mainstream some things for kids that, that they don't get the chance to do. So that's kind of brought us to today and, and what we do. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I love the background. So when you, so you mentioned, you know, half the year you're in, on an airplane in a hotel and you're given 70% of the company's speeches. What, what are, um, what are some of the key speeches? And not, not that you have to give it to us today, no. but like what, what's kind of the go-to who, who's in that audience? What are their takeaways? What are they learn from it? Like what's, what's that look like? Well, I think there's, there's three different focuses for us. I mean, we have about 19 presentations, but okay. they're, they're focused in at about three different levels. And, and let's start with what we believe is the coaches. That's proactive coaching. That's okay. who we are and we deal with. But I think in today's world, um, if you look out there, the average age of head coaches is younger and younger and younger. Well, look in the business world. It kind of mirrors that, right? Um, people get in and coaching and get out. Well, look at the pressure going on, pressure to win, parent pressure, things that are going on that, that really driving them out. So they come in and they're all about X and O's, X and O's, X and O's, and X and O's. Well, you better be good at X and O's. But what you realize after time, if you don't build culture and relationships, the X and O's aren't going to matter. Not going to carry you. Every X and O has won and every X and O has lost. You know, I mean, we're going in the Super Bowl. This will air after the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, hey, you know what? Look what the Chiefs do. Well, guess what? That's one. But so so has a ground game that pushes it. John Riggins from the old yep. Washington Redskins, right? Yep. I mean, Sh Shanahan every, is a good X and O or two. That's right. <laughs> Everybody can win. But yep. how do you build that culture around it? And these two teams have built their culture in the Super Bowl. But um, so we work with them. And we all probably if you talk about what's our main come out points is, is two things. Well, there's more than that, but the two that we really focus on is one: build trust with your athletes. Mm. Build trust because if they don't have trust, you it's going to be you're going to be duplicated in efforts. You're going to be you know it's going to be harder and harder and harder. The best thing you can do is a kid look at you and go, "That'll work." You know, that's the best thing <laughs> you want. Yeah, right. man. How, um, how do you do that? Well, sorry, I interrupted your no, second. Thought, no, but. yeah, well, we can talk about that, and then we'll come back to the others. Um, well, we talk to them about what are the areas. So when we talk to kids, what do you look for in a coach? Mm -hmm. And it kind of came down to three areas. We want to know they're prepared. Mm -hmm. Can't fool us. Okay. Number two, we want to know you care. Mm -hmm. And number three, we want to know you're consistent, meaning this. Make sure your words and your actions align. Mm -hmm. Don't tell us to work hard if you're not going to work hard. Don't tell us to be on time if you're not going to be on time. And those are the three focus points we work with coaches on. So that's kind of point one. 
That's great. And point two that we work with is, you know, sport does not teach character. There's not a study out there that says that. In fact, most studies out there say just the opposite. The longer you're in sport, the more moral reasoning and ethical behavior go down. Sharon Stoll from the University of Idaho uh, is kind of our leading expert on that. West Point's done this. Mm. West Point, every cadet, and we've had the chance to speak there. Bruce, Bruce and I have spoke there about seven, eight times together. And, uh, you know, they've changed their – every athlete, MacArthur, when he was at West Point, made sure every cadet had to be on an athletic team. So right now, still today, every athlete is on, a, not just intercollegiate athletics, everybody has to be on some sort of high-level athletic team that competes nationally, okay? It could be rifle, it could be mountain climbing, it could Rowing, be whatever. whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but they get after it. Boxing, they got an unbelievable boxing team up there. Mm. Um, but the key is they've changed their format because about, tw- I think we started up there about 12 years ago working with them, maybe even longer. And what it came out was um, it wasn't helping. wasn't They weren't showing any improvement until the coaches started teaching it. Mm. And then they realized better decisions were being made by effort and behavior. So you can't just expect it. Because how many times have you seen this? Some coach, their best player is late or their best player does something, but they still play. So what, they, they need them. They, think. they need yeah, them. Right, well, right. what are you telling them? I can be different. Normal rules do not apply to me. Okay, and then you see that, and then that carries on. So where are you going to do it? And one thing we also say is you're building that trust and you're building that, that aspect of intentional culture. Okay, Don't have rules, have standards. Mm. Young people break rules. We all test them. You and I tested oh, them yeah. when we were young. Oh, we yeah. st- still, still test do. them now. Right, 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 right. right. We test rules, and you get compliance. Mm. When you have standards, kids reach up to them. They want to reach the standard, and you don't need very many. You know, Bruce, when I first met Bruce, probably the thing that hit me the most, one of his very first things he said, that said, this is why I want him to work on at the NAI and eventually me for him in this program, is he says, what else do you need besides this? Don't let your teammates down. It's every, every, you can bring that back to everything. Yeah. Your effort, yeah. your attitude, your timeliness, your, everything comes back to don't let your teammates down. And so... That's, that's kind of our aspect when we're working with coaches. And then the last one I'll say on coaches is I, I kind of kid them around with this one a lot, but it, it's true. we got to get away from T-shirt slogans and get to action statements. Every team, every team has a T-shirt slogan or a slogan or a banner, and the question is, what's that look like in the offseason? What's that look like in the preseason? Every, right? And every, every business has their brand name. I mean, their, brand, yeah. their yeah. brand slogan. What's that look like? And so we're working with businesses. We're trying to get them to say, get beyond just that slogan and put it into action. Mm. That changes. And let your players, let your staff help you come up with those actions because that's the ownership. Yeah. Second part would be the athletes. I mean, you know, we're talking to the team members. And we're trying to and make you're them. you're spanning high school, small college, D2, D1. Like, every, what, like, what are you, like, who is your audience? Every place, yeah. Okay. You're talking about okay. this. Our primary audience is high schools because there's okay. more of them. Yeah, okay. sure. Uh, we're starting to see more of an impact in clubs, mm. okay? And Because I think there's been a change in athletics. And what I mean by that is 15, 20 years ago when the club AAU started coming along, you had a very different model. Schools were in the educational model. Clubs were in the business model. Yep. Okay, and that's caused some problems. We could talk about that for five, mm-hmm. five hours, okay? <laughs> right. About, you know, come play all year long because I need your fee to play all year that's long. Right. So, know, I can, I mean, so I can make, a mo- so make, I can money, make money as a right, grown right. adult. Right. But what I've seen over the last seven or eight years is you have some schools now that have gone to the business model. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a school in Michigan 
where I'm originally from, they have the top, um, they have the top sophomore in the country right now. So at hoops. At hoops. Okay. okay. So everybody's coming to those games. Calipari, Izzo, everybody's at every game, right? They've moved all their games, and they had to. So it's, a, but it's a business model. But the AD had to do this because of the the demand. They play inside Eastern Michigan's ten thousand seat wow. arena for every high school game. Holy smokes! And they're selling out, right? Because because everyone wants to see this kid. Well. He's been forced to go to the business model, not sure. because he wanted sure. to, because he's culture builder too. He's great culture builder, but that's what you see on this wow. end. ESPN showing games, yeah, you know, absolutely. But you see some clubs that have figured out, you know what? Let's, let's be about the education model, and so I don't think it's this fight anymore between the two. It's where does it mesh, and and that's a good thing. So um, we do a lot of colleges, a uh, few pro teams. Um, but but mostly sticking that high school college range yeah. is probably our our go to. That's great. What's your? Um, I, I think you'd have an interesting perspective, and, and your your comment you know jogged my memory of of my own youth sports days. It was like, man, you played whatever season it was. If it was hoop season, you played basketball. If it was baseball season, you played baseball or ran track. Um, summer, you kind of did whatever, right? Like maybe you played with a traveling baseball team or something. Um, Came back to fall, you either played soccer or football, right? You just kind of did whatever it was. And 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 there's this um, intense current towards specialization, even at like, I mean, again, we have younger kids, but it's like we got 10-year-old friends of our little little guy who are playing 60, 80 baseball games right. from Jan- – and they go January to like November. <laughs> it's like – it's well, cr- what's your feedback on that? Well, it's crazy. And, um, you know, my feeling, well, 88% of all college athletes were multi-sport athletes in high school. 88? Mm-hmm. 88% were multi-sport athletes in high school. Um, I'm not saying it's a 100% rule, okay, because there are some sports. Though. Gymnastics is going to be one you're going to specialize. Why? Sure. They want kids before puberty, and today puberty is getting less and less. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. that. Swimming tends to be more of a specialization sport, though. I just was at, I was speaking at a swim clinic not long ago where a leading training expert said, no, give them four months off. Mm. Why? The motion in swimming when your arms cold under your head is not good for your rotator cuff. Mm. Okay, which Makes comes sense. to, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's these, I think you're starting to see the data point against specialization. Um, uh, Dr. James Andrews, if you've ever watched a Major League Baseball game or football game, you've heard that name. He's kind of the leader. On, yeah, and the, orthopedic guy. Yeah, yeah. Orthop- and he wrote a b- book called Black Monday. And uh, if you read that book, he's, he, his point is play your major sport six to seven months out of the year. Mm-hmm. Play a secondary sport three or four and go camping for a couple. That's awesome. Because overuse injuries are up like 60%. And, and the shoulders can't handle it. The knees, they're not made for 60, 80 baseball games. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's the other reason I'm against it. We've gone to a system where we're playing six and seven games for every one practice when we should be practicing five or six times for every one game. Football has kept that model just because of the nature of the game. Okay. Now, I think seven on seven may change that. But they've kept that model. And I think if you ask college coaches what's going on, we're getting kids now that are bigger, stronger, and faster than they've ever been. Our food supply's better. Yep. Our training's better. Every, you know, they're bigger, stronger, faster than ever. I look and laugh. I, I won a state championship. I was a tight end, and no one on our offensive line went over 205, right? Oh now 205 would be, you can't play offensive line. I mean, you're too I, small. I look know? at the, the, here in our little neck of the woods, oh, I look at the, the varsity liberty 
men's basketball team. And I'm like, dude, those are some grown men. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no chance. And I played decent little, you know, amount of varsity hoops at my high school. But it's like, I wouldn't have, I, w- I would have been cut. Like, these guys, I mean, these dudes are grown men. They're bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah, absolutely. But they're less fundamentally sound. Mm. Mm. Because I don't think they're taught the skills because they're playing. And mm. just because you're playing doesn't mean you're going to get the skills. Mm-hmm. And then a, a sport of basketball, just watch um, college basketball at the high level, watch the NBA. Who's really excelling? Europeans. Yeah. Europeans, are, ta- yeah. Europeans are taught fundamentals really early. Okay. And we're not always taught those fundamentals. You can still find them, but you know, I think we've, we, that's that aspect of starting kids and specializing mm. that hurts them physically. I believe looking at the data, um, and two, we got to realize: don't play so many games. Work on your work on your weaknesses. Get your weaknesses out and play that. But it's hard to say. You know, it's hard to say. Let's not go to Omaha this weekend to play in this great tournament because right. it's a great it's experience. Fun it's and a fun experience. It. So yeah, it's hard yeah. not to say that. We just yeah. got to find a balance. Yeah, that's good. Um, I'm curious to hear maybe, you know, as, as you're thinking about business and kind of the, the economic climate and leadership and the, the challenges that business owners or marketing leaders or folks are facing, um, so many parallels to sport and business clearly, but, um, what are maybe some points of resistance or areas where, um, leaders, uh, either don't adopt what you guys teach or they give lip service to it and then change. Like, I, I guess, how do you encounter folks who maybe have good intentions, but then when you guys leave the, the speaking or the, uh, or the coaching practice and they're back in their own element, how, like, how do you kind of push through that or help folks get, get to some other areas that they well, want to be? Well, I, I think some people aren't those natural born motivators and leaders to start mm-hmm. with, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so what are they doing to cultivate their own leadership? Because mm-hmm. I think what we've seen across time is, you know, one of the things we get told all the time, there's not as many leaders out there. Well, I think there is, but I don't think we've done a good job of, of training those leaders. Mm-hmm. And those leaders are now 25, 30, 35, and they know how to, you know, be able to be a demanding without being demeaning. We're in a culture that's very demeaning, but we have so easily offended we don't understand sometimes you're going to be critiqued and that's okay yeah that's yeah. okay and our society doesn't do that so how do we able to get that across it comes back to that trust element does your team trust you and are you willing to set the standard if you're not willing to set the standard go now how do you do that mm. and i think the best thing leaders can do one obviously train to be a good leader but second is what we call the inner circle you know it's not going to work if you're on an island by yourself so bring two or three people to that island, get them bought in, give them some ownership. Then those two or three people create some more, and that inner circle starts building. That's good. It can't be you against the world. You know, you can't, you know, it's in that, you know, and you hear that time. As a coach, I can't be my kids' best friends, but I also can't be their worst enemy. Right. You know, I mean, it comes Where's down that to, line? Where's that you, line to yeah, demand, yeah. demand, but don't demean them. Have them trust mm-hmm. you. Hold everybody to the standard. Let's be honest. Leadership's not for everybody. <laughs> I just, I mean, I hate to say that, but not every kid is a leader and not every manager in a business is a leader. Are you a manager or are you a leader? And in some places you have to be a manager, some places you have to be a leader, and some people have to be both. And I think the people that have to be both don't always understand. Coaches are horrible at that. 
Okay. Sometimes they take over a program and they X and O it and lead it well, but they don't manage the program and they end up losing their job, not because of their X and O's and what they're doing on the field or on the court. It's because they haven't run their program right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then you see the things at big time level was recruiting violations and at small time level, it could be I just blew my budget. Yeah. We can't travel with the bus. We can't pay the bus invoice. That's right. right. Well, the same thing happens in business. And I think you got to understand that difference between leader, manager, and when to be those. Mm. So we got to constantly mm. train people and constantly make sure that they're building their inner circle, that they have a group. You're not going to, you know, our the greatest thing is you get everybody in your team to do that. Well, it's not always going to happen. You sure. know, and the sure. larger your team, the harder it's going to be. But if you got this big nucleus that you have bought in, you know, now we have it going. We call them core covenants. We want our, we, you know, you see values. Those are good standards. So I'm good with all that. The reason we call it covenant is the mm. definition of the word covenant is a binding agreement that can be witnessed. And as a leader, can okay. we walk into your business? Can I walk into that, that team and see what you stand? You don't have to do a t-shirt slogan. I already know what you stand for. Totally. That's the, that's the key. And we got to bring those alive. Yeah. And, and it, man, it's, it's so good. Cause I think there's, there's probably even, I'm thinking about our own company, right? But like, there's probably so much unspoken essence, you know, DNA that you like, oh, yeah, we're really caring or we're really prompt or we're really responsive or we're really client-focused or whatever, right? Um, but then to know, like, how is that articulated? How is that um, that story composed and told and documented? And, uh, you know, what we, uh, we had a guy, Corey Shear, on the podcast, and he's like, Man, leadership is saying the same thing a thousand different times in a thousand different ways, <laughs> because you've got to continue to to cast vision, compel people to follow, bring come alongside, right? Um, and so to to have the self awareness enough to know that that's not about you; it's about them. And how do you bring them into that? Well, fold? not only how do you bring them in, how do you first thing is how do you hire? Oh man, as a college basketball coach, I get the chance to recruit. Well, I better recruit kids that I think are going to buy into my mission into our core covenants mm. at the same time our players need to be the ones when they come on for a recruiting visit to share here's what this is about if you're not about it probably this isn't the place for you mm. you know same thing in the business right when i'm doing that interview how do these things relate you know not just how how's your sales numbers how do you you know what's your record on treating clients what's your retention rate on yeah. clients which yeah. we got to build and then you assess on it so it becomes part of everything how you bring them in, how you mentor them, and how you evaluate them. That's, that's the key to build that culture. Because you know what happens at that point? It becomes long-lasting. Mm. Because now, you know, you look, we say, you know, if you're a high school varsity coach, any sport, and you've done this long enough, and I'm thinking of one a softball coach, and she's just awesome, right? Mm. Okay. Those girls by 7th and 8th grade are looking up going, well, i got to be this person if I'm going to play on that team. Totally. If I don't do these things, which are choices, not skills – I'm not going to get a chance no matter if I bat 350, 400, and hit 20 home runs. I'm not going to get that opportunity because that gets built in. We call them memories live in the past, legacies live in the future. If you got your legacy going, the good news is you can leave and it still stays. It's good, man. It's super good. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the, the whole concept of uh, kind of, hey, what are you doing when no one's looking? I, I, had a, I have a buddy who coaches – um, college basketball, and he was recruiting w women's basketball. And he was recruiting pretty high-level kid out of Arkansas. She had some some good looks and some, you know, decent opportunities. And, and he got word of her, you know, I, I don't know how he got it, but he, he saw her 
um, a, a full game. And it was like a blowout game that they were up big. She got taken out and she went and sat. And I, I might get some of the details wrong, but essentially she went and sat on the bench to her, you know, the, the, the C team are getting minutes, right? She's done. And he said, the second she got to the bench, she checked out. Wasn't cheering for the, the walk on or, or, or whatever, the, the sophomore kind of crappy girl that wasn't very, wasn't very good, but never gotten minutes. And he said, man, I watched her not care about her teammates. It was, the second she was out of the game and got hers, she was done. And he's like, she might end up being, you know, WNBA star, but, like, she's not playing for me. Sure. Can't do it. Gee, I love listening to some of Gino's stuff from Connecticut. And Gino, you know, like he said, I got 12 All-Americans. Yeah. I don't need you. Right. And that's why we watch. We, you know, I, I, there's one coach here in the Metro. Once a year, I just watch his bench. He asked me to come and just watch his bench. I don't watch the game at all. Wow. I just watch the bench. You know, because sometimes as coaches, we're not looking at the bench. We shouldn't, you know, always focus on sure. what's happening there. Sure. What it, what's going on? You know, is who's checked in? Who's cheering for others? Who's who's checked out? Who's pouting? You know, that that's such a big part of choices. And it, it goes farther than that. You know, I mean, what are you doing on social media? Every every recruit's getting checked on social media. Well, every business person's getting yeah, checked on social media. Absolutely. What are you doing on there? Uh, that's who you are. You know, one of my biggest pet peeves right now, and, and I tell coaches, make sure when you're recruiting a kid, you check this out. Or, and it's hard to find, but you can find it. Do they have false, do they have uh, fake social media pages? Mm. You know, that I'm going to say this over here. Well, if you, if you can't say it, First of all, you got a problem. <laughs> Second right. of all, what are you saying? That's right? right. That's and right. So, so, I mean, that to me is, is, you know, I think all those things are, those choices you make are huge in everything you do. It doesn't matter if it's online. It doesn't matter. You know, how you acted in the, in, the, in the classroom. You know, I'll never forget when my daughter was going here to Liberty North, and I, I shouldn't share this story probably, <laughs> but I will. I'm not going to say who. I'm just going to say one athlete was not acting well in class. Mm. So, his mom, his mom came in and sat in his classroom. And said, You're going to act well, and came in. And, and the, she had she had set it up with the teacher and everything, right? I mean, that, that's, that's awesome. at least the story I heard. I don't, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, how they can ask. Elevator, maybe it wasn't yeah. that. Maybe yeah. it was a phone call. But what I got told was she came to class and made sure you're going to act right. You know, it's not going to happen over here yeah. if it's not going to happen in here. Awesome. And so you got to check everything. That's awesome. That's so good. Um, let, let's shift a little bit, and, and, and you've been super gracious with your time, so um, I know you've got probably a plane to catch, I'm sure. Um, but let's talk about the, the art that is your job in getting up on stage, presenting a compelling uh, conversation, introducing ideas that, that spur action and drive results for folks. Um, Man, like, walk us through, like, what's your process? What's your daily kind of routine? Like, does it, it you know, uh, does it get old? Does it get frustrating? Do you get nervous? Like, what's kind of the um, the routine you go through to get yourself up for your own job? That's a, that's a great question. Because I'll start with this. I've never wanted to be a public speaker, and I hate being a public speaker. Start with that, Ken. It's awesome. And we get asked, um, you know, Bruce and I get called probably three or four times a week, can we come speak for your company? And, and, and I always follow this. Okay, what do you know about our mission? What materials? And this was Bruce that asked, told me to start with this. What have you used? Mm. And the answer by 90% of it is no, I want to be a public speaker. 
well, you're not for us. Okay, that's just, yeah. let's start that yeah. out. Because we're about mission driven. So that's where I start with. I don't walk up thinking I'm a public. If I walked up there, if you asked me to go speak on something like, you know, some topic that I didn't, I wasn't passionate about, hmm. I would, da-da. I mean, I'd be horrible. I'd be nervous. <laughs> I'd be sweating. You know, I just, I hate it. Okay. For me, when I get up there, it's about what I believe in and it's my passion. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I to me, I walk up there and here's how I look at it. A lot of, I'm probably giving the same, some of the same presentations 75 times a year. Okay. But me, every time I look out there, there's a new team. And I got to remember, I'm coaching a team. My aspect is I'm just coaching a different team every day. And so they, I owe it to them to give me my best. That's great. Now, I also go back to, and this is, you know, I got told this by a friend of mine. And, and we're all different. And I think that's why I'm, I'm explaining this. I think all speakers, coaches, business people have to find who they are, right? Because it affects how you motivate others. And one day, about a year into coaching, one of my best friends in coaching, and he was completely opposite than me. I mean, he's the guy that if the, you could hear him across the gym, I'll never forget one time we're beating him by 18. We're in our timeout, and we're laughing because we're listening to him talking his timeout, right? He's just going nuts. <laughs> we're so different, but he's one of my best friends. And he walked up to me and he says, here's the difference. He says, every practice and every game, you came played hard. He said, I didn't. He says, mm-hmm. You're having trouble motivating the kid that doesn't come every day, and I'm having trouble motivating the kid that does come every day because I don't know how to. Re- I don't know. I want him to do more, and I've got to realize he's given everything he's got. Wow. Okay, and so I think you got to find that balance in who you are. Mm-hmm. And so for me, every day I don't have a problem with it. I walk up. My only frustration, I'll tell you, my biggest frustration, and this kind of comes to what you said, leadership earlier, mm-hmm. and where we're lacking it. I never get frustrated speaking. I get frustrated when somebody brings us in to speak as the leader and then ditches out because oh, they man. have more important things to do. Like they don't actually sit through the They don't content. sit there. They don't do anything, and they don't wow. sit because it's not important to them, okay? And, but I'll make my team. But I'll make my, my team. I'll make my, my players do it. Your I'll assistant make my coach. You, and you know what that usually <laughs> happens? Coachings are sitting in there, and, and – um, uh, an AD principal will walk out. Wow. And you're thinking, that's your team. And if you don't make it important, how do they, why should they make it important? Sure. So I'm at a um, high level D1 program. And I went in to speak to just the coaches. Okay. You'd know half the coaches if I told you. Mm. Okay. High level D1 Mm. program. And I get up there and, uh, and I brought in and the AD sits through everything. Okay. But one of their major coaches that everybody in the country knows, okay, was so unengaged the whole time. Man. And when you look at the behavior problems his team has, it, it doesn't surprise me, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, he's a good X and O guy. He gets mm-hmm. a lot out of his team, but he's always struggling with some sort of behavior problem here or there or the other place. Mm-hmm. And that those are the frustrating points for me. If, if, I've, I've said this to people before, okay? I, I've come to this great age at 56. I say things I never would have said at 46. <laughs> sure. You know? sure. You, I'll go up to them and say, if you don't want to be here, don't. You know, you're wasting your time. You're wasting our time. You know, but come, you know, how would you like one of your players to walk in or one of your staff members to walk in and not be engaged? Not, it's my job. Like I tell them, people to ask me about cell phones. You know, do you want them on during the presentation? I'm like, I don't mind. One, they like to take pictures of the PowerPoint. Right. Two, in this world, younger people take notes on them. Yep. 
three, if I'm not doing my job, well, go ahead and play on it. You know, I mean, that's, that's up to me to do my right. job, right? But with that is, as a leader, you set the tone. And don't bring somebody in. You know, and then if you nail it and they all love you, then they take, oh, yeah, I knew that guy. You weren't even yeah, here. Yeah, right, right, You know, right, you weren't right. even here. That's my guy, so right. That's, that's probably the biggest frustration. But overall, every day for me is coaching a new team. And um, so I have no problem with it. That's great. The, the flip side of that same question. So when, and I'm sure this happens more than the frustrating part, but when do you walk off the stage or leave the room or get back on the plane and just have this huge, like, sense of, gratification like what what what's that look like i think the biggest things for that there's two and one happens much later but the first gratification is when you get somebody to walk up to you and i'll give you an interesting one i'll share it to you this is how the story was i was up in sitka alaska earlier this summer earlier this fall okay flying in middle of nowhere you know i mean it's a fun place to be but november it's you know i got dark you know whale (laughs) came at me you know i mean the whole thing you know um and so they said at the last minute, you know, we want you to speak to the whole student body. Now, as a speaker, as high school, spe- yeah, okay. as a speaker in, in athletics, you go, oh no, you know, because, you know, now teams are teams, but some kids aren't on teams. So you, when you speak to a whole student body, if if it's a mixture of band kids, athletes, FFA, you're Academic, fine. They right? get it. Yeah. They get it. Okay, but you get some kids that aren't in it. I get done speaking to the whole student body about making good choices to reach potential, using athletic analogies, say, to relate in your life. And this kid walks up to me, and I found out later he just got to the school that year and hadn't meshed in very well and was a little bit of a rebel kid, things like that. And he walked up to me, and he just looked at me, and I'd never met him before. He says, hey, I'm not an athlete. I love music. He says, I'm into music. You got me thinking today like I've never thought before. Shook my hand and walked away. That's the paycheck. That, that, that a coach walks up and says, been coaching for 15 years, never thought about that. Yeah, those are the paychecks. The second ones are when That's you, awesome, man. The, the ones you get t- two, three months later is when the coach reaches out or an athlete reaches out and says, man, those core covenants are alive. You know, we just won the state because, you know, and you'd be amazed how many of our teams, and that's another aspect I'll, I'll talk about here in a second, but um, we just won state, and we believe it's because of we finally put our standards in place. We know what our covenants are, you know. And there's the thing, Bruce, and I will tell you. You know where we go speak? People who are really good that want to get better, and people in crisis. Huh? There's an awful lot of people that are okay being average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't need the lukewarm folks. Yeah, right. That's right. Um, before we wrap, give me and maybe even just from memory or just from experience, like. What are some examples of good core covenants? Like that, that a team would sit down and they would come back to you and say, hey, man, hey, Bruce and Rob, what, what do you think about these? We, we've been working on this as a staff and as a team, and we're moving from this kind of T-shirt culture and, and, to, and to living this out and breathing this into our fabric of our DNA. What are some of those pillars that you see kind of time and time again that, that really resonate and connect down deep? <coughs> Excuse me. No, you're good. I don't think there's any words I can tell you because we've seen every word. Yeah. Every word. I think the, the areas that are key is this. One, have one that's performance-based, at least one that's performance-based. Have one that's at least one that's relationship-based. Okay. 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 So just use this to Relentless performance, family, relationship. Now, you could whatever words sure. you want to use. Sure. Okay. But have one in each area. Love it. And when Bruce brought that to me, 
and he developed it. My first thought was, well, why? I was up in Iowa, and a baseball team came up to me. And Iowa does their high school baseball season in the summer. They start yeah, playing it's in May. Cold. Yeah, because yeah, I mean they're <laughs> not from right. Michigan, and they still play. And I'm go, guys, copy that. That's smart. And so they finished around July fourth or fifth, you know, right around okay. that weekend, yeah. they have their state championship. So it's like early June. I'm up there, and so they're halfway through their season, and I'm doing the covenants for the teams. And I walk up to the baseball guys and go, "Sorry, guys, I know this is a horrible time to do this. You know, I mean, mid season." And they look at me, "No, no, no." We were so focused on performance, we don't have anything on a relationship. Wow. And that's when I look back and I said, the mentor, Bruce, nailed it again. Okay, that's it. Don't have too many. Why? Uh, be really good at a few things, not really mediocre at a lot. I think a lot of people put down 12 covenants. Well, who's going to remember that? No one. No one. The third thing is figure out where you want them. What's your two or three areas? Games, practice, weight room, you know, business where is that you know but don't have again don't have too many but have a couple players you want them truly to be seen classroom whatever it is okay and we have one major coach that's never said games because he thinks if he gets it in the community and he gets it in the classroom wow. and he gets it in practice he'll get it in the games smart yeah makes sense doesn't yeah. it i mean yeah and then the third thing is make sure that's action when you say what's family going to look like mm. in games put an action statement down Get too many of these. Have a good attitude. What's that mean? Right. Your, your, defini Ow, right. your definition of mine are completely <laughs> right, different. Sure. Okay. You know, pick up your teammate when, they, when they're down. Mm. I can see that. So that's kind of the how we teach the covenant base when we do our workshops on that. That's awesome, man. You've got a, a disciple up the hill here and Coach McCabe um, who was on our podcast, and, and he brought he, – he didn't know that you were also going to be on. Um, but he brought up a – and, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe butcher the details. You guys can go back and listen to exactly what he said. But he said it on the, on the podcast that when he was at Liberty North, lost, I think, either in the Final Four or the game to get to the Final Four. Maybe it's the Final Four um, to advance to the state championship. Um, and, and he talked about that moment <coughs> being a pivotal, meaningful, legacy-type moment where he was like, yeah, of course we would have rather won. And, of course, I kind of blew an X and O call out of bounds that I could have done something different. Of course, this guy could have made the layup instead of whatever. Um, but he goes, but that, in that painful, hard, emotional moment was actually where, like, deep friendship and bonds and family were, were, were cemented, not born, but cemented. Um, and, and he talked about, and, and, again, I don't remember the exacts, but he talked about you playing a big role, you specifically playing a big role in how – he not only thinks, but how he brings kind of that DNA to life now at Liberty North and now at William Jewell. Um, and I was just like, I was struck by the the power of like, man, of course, like the ESPN headlines and all this stuff is going to be about wins and losses primarily. Coaches get fired, coaches get promoted, whatever. Um, but, but the stuff that's really meaningful is well beyond the X's and O's, uh, you know, game day saving tackle or play or whatever else um and and, and anyway I, I'm, I'm rambling yeah. about the story but but the the point to me was really clear was like to be in that room with those guys at a really painful hard point in their life that they felt like everything was falling apart right tears and the whole thing he's like for me to to cement that bond of family was more powerful than had we actually won, right? Like, uh, that's the ironic part of it. Yeah, it, it, we say it this way. How do you know your team's reached potential? 
and there's two tests. And the first one is season ends and there's no regrets. Now, 99% of all teams lose their last game of the year. Yeah. So there is going to be disappointment. Super Bowl on Sunday, one team's going to lose. Disappointment, okay? No regrets. You wouldn't want to be this. You wouldn't want to do it with any other guys, okay? The second test is your teammates stay with you for life. They're not in your life for three months. They're not in your life for four years. They're there 5, 10, 15, 20, 56 years old. And I can tell you, on the two great teams I was on, I can tell you almost every one of my teammates Absolutely. are. We're still in each other's lives. Vendors. This morning was Facebooking with one of my teammates from when I was yeah. in college, you know. Um, 100%. That, those are the two tests. And then I say there's a coach's test and a leader's test that I don't talk about with parents. I don't talk about with kids, but I talk about with coaches. How do you know that? When the end of the year comes, game's over. That game's over for Chris. And you know what Chris probably wanted to do, knowing Chris? Practice tomorrow. Absolutely. No, we don't have any games coming up, but who cares? <laughs> Let's get back together. That's you right. want to be with that crew, yeah. you know, and just keep going. You know, I've also been on teams that their last game of the year, you win the, the championship, and all you want to do is walk away. You've had it. Okay. We won, but there's no feeling of gratitude. There's no feeling of what we accomplished. It's just, ugh, you know. No, we're trying to create that culture that, that we just want to keep it going. Yeah, so good, man. Um, we'll, we'll wrap up here. Here's my last question, I promise. Um, and, and it's because it's timely, and I think it I think it hits into a lot of the core stuff that you guys do on a daily basis. So a couple Sundays ago, everybody gets the news, Kobe dies in a helicopter. Um, you're a hoops guy. You understand that. And, and, and man, I, I, I was – more rattled than I could have imagined being again, like liked Kobe respected him, watched him, you know, my growing up years were him kind of coming into the league and being a stud. Um, I think though, the part that was like crazy hard for me to get my mind around was that he's, his life has shifted into this more purposeful, of course, like the rings and the titles and the all-star games and all that stuff. Of course he, he liked, um, and we're, we're part of his story, but by all accounts, I don't know Kobe, right? Didn't know Kobe. Um, but by all accounts, he'd shifted into this legacy building stage of his life where it was about his daughters and it was about his wife and it was about rebuilding trust there and it was about being present and living with purpose. And so, you know, I mean, whether it's local folks like Tim Nixon or Kobe on a national or global scale, like I think those moments are really impactful for us to wake up to like, oh, yeah, of course Chris McCabe would have rather won that game. But, like, he was there for those guys. And, um, of course, Kobe would have rather eclipsed Jordan and in, in, in all these metrics. But, like, he was there for his kids. And, and, and um, I, I would just love your take and how um, meaningful and powerful that and sad and heartbreaking and, and grieving that we, you know, we all experienced with that. But knowing you're a hoops guy, I'm sure you had a, have, have, an, have an opinion. You on know, that. it was a very interesting day. I heard it. Um, and I kind of came through before the Kobe era, right? And I kind of lost interest in the NBA, even though I'm a hoops guy. You yeah. know, I just, I've, I've, you know, if I could watch the last three minutes of the four quarters of every game, right. I'd be fine. Or just wait till the finals yeah, exactly. when they play hard, right? That's what I do anymore. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I, I'm a magic guy. I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a bird guy. That's where I'm a Pistons guy. Yeah, the bad boys were my team growing up, you know, yep. all that kind of yep. stuff. But I came to appreciate Kobe because, needless to say, Kobe, um, early on, had his detract, you know, personally, he went through the battle in Colorado. Uh, he wasn't known as a great teammate to start with. And then you just watched him mature, and you're exactly right. He didn't mature as a basketball player. He was always great. He matured as a person. Mm-hmm. 
and his work ethic was now you could never deny his work ethic he totally. worked harder than anybody in the nba i don't care you like him or not you better respect his work That's ethic right. since he was 15 years old That's he right. just worked harder than everybody else um here's where it hit me i'm sitting there on sunday afternoon I got the game, you know, watching a basketball game or something. And, ah, that's, and it, hit, it was sad. You know, it's like, yeah. that's too bad. And then you start getting the news about all the other people that were on the Ugh. plane, okay? And then the t- two things kind of developed that came out of it. My daughter called me about 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. And I'm looking down, what's Kendall calling for, you know? My daughter went to Liberty North. She quit playing sports when she was 12 years old. She never really enjoyed sports. She's in performing art. She's, writes, she's a writer, Okay. And so she calls, and I'm not thinking anything. We just start talking, you know, and we've talked for about five minutes. I said, finally, he said, we're just having a great talk. I said, why'd you call? What's up? You know, and she says, well, I just wanted to reach out to you because, you know, the Kobe huh. thing is so sad. And, you know, when I was growing up, you know, Kobe was, and I'm sitting there going, here's a girl that doesn't even want to watch a basketball game with me, okay? Mm. She'll watch hockey with me. She'll watch baseball with me. She doesn't care for basketball, yeah. okay? Th- that impact, you said, this guy has an unbelievable impact. By the way, interesting name you brought up, Tim Nixon. Kendall never ran, but when Tim passed away, she loved him because Tim Nixon, even though she never ran, would always reach out. Hi, Kendall, how you doing? It's awesome. And it's what they did, and, and, and that kind of leads to everything we're talking about, that personal touch. Yesterday, I was on the phone with a good friend of mine, AD at, former AD at Vanguard University, Southern California, Costa Mesa. Their basketball coach is somebody I've known for years. I haven't talked to him in about a year now. Russ Davis, I consider him a friend. High-level division, uh, high-level NAI basketball coach, always is in the final. He also has one of the toughest select teams, club teams in California for younger kids. Mm. He coached all three of those kids that passed away in that helicopter. Oh, they were on the same team earlier. But the story was that Bob was telling me, and then I saw it today in a, in a little bit of an article, Russ was Russ is the coach. Russ Davis was diagnosed with cancer not long ago. He says Kobe's the one that reached out to him because he was a former coach. Not that they were best friends. Not that he knew him and reached out and said, "You can do this." Man. And so I think when you take the Kobe and the Tim Nixons and you take these, in fact, Bruce is writing a book right now that will come out talking about coaches of significance, leaders of significance. What sets them apart? And I think it's that what you're taught, what you just talked about. Mm-hmm. It's going beyond just what are we doing here in the office? What are we doing on the basketball court to say, I'm going to motivate you as a human being, not as a basketball player. Yeah. I'm going to motivate you as a person, not as a salesman. When you do that, I think that's what sets you apart. Man, so well said. What a great way to end, my friend. Um, thank you for sharing that story. That's really cool, really powerful. Um, okay, so. We end every show with the same five questions. So first thing that comes to your mind, super easy. Um, four, four, four easy layups to use a hoops language and then and one that's a little bit tougher. But um, here we go. So what's the last book you read or listened to? Thank you, Coach. By who? It's a book by, you had to ask me right now oh, off the top of my head. No, okay, I, why can't I think of his name? Um, uh, he, he is from up in uh, Canada. Uh, he was, huh. um, well, I can't think of his name right now. I have no idea. I know it's on the top of my head. It's on our website. Um he played in this uh, CFL for 13 years as an undersized lineman, and he, he brought it back to write about how he grew in life because of huh. his position coach. That's awesome. Thank you, Coach. The other one, I'll name another one. I was reading two at the same time. The Bus Ride by Jamie Belcher. Okay. And it's a book about team building. So those Love are it. my two books. We'll put those in the show notes. That's awesome. Um, I think we all have this kind of subliminal, subconscious even fear of things at times. Um, so if, what would you do right now if you weren't afraid? If I wasn't afraid, and maybe that's not, yeah, 
I'll let you answer. So, no, that's a great question. If I wasn't afraid, I'd probably retire. No, just not from speaking, <laughs> but from the commissioner's job. I'm looking at that bottom line going, I'm not there yet. Okay. Um, no, great. you know what? I'd probably, um, one thing I've, I've always thought about doing, but I'm scared to do it, is jump out of a plane. Yeah, man. Me too. I, I just, I can't bring myself to do yeah. it, but I think it would be so cool to do. I agree. It would be. Um, are there any little nuances or funny things or superstitious activities? If, if people knew about you, they'd be like, oh, that's kind of funny or weird or odd. Different. Yeah, me being odd. Uh, I have to have my Mountain Dew every morning. Mountain uh, Dew? Oh, Mountain yeah. Dew guy. Yeah, I'm a Mountain Dew guy. Okay. Big time. I've never drunk coffee, so it's my Mountain Dew. That's but, great. But I'm pretty, no, I'm not, I, I don't have any superstitions or rituals or, you know, I think people laugh at me because of this in the neighborhood. I love to walk. And I got a, like an 18 pound schnauzer and they look at me at 240 and look at that dog at 18 pounds. I think they get a good laugh out of that That's all great. the time. That's great. I, I've read a, uh, recently about the, uh, I'm not a walker as much, but um, about the benefits of walking just from a stillness and a quiet and a quiet mindset time. and a, you know, if you're a spiritual person, the prayer time, like yep. the whole thing. Um, that's cool. Um, besides your home, what's your favorite place on earth? Bayview, Michigan. Bayview, Michigan. It's up. Tell us about it. It's right near Petoskey. Um, it's on Little Har- Little Traverse Bay. It's our nice. respite. It's a family place that my, my grandfather bought in 1960. Okay. It's in this Victorian uh, Chautauqua. And my wife and I go up there. It's now ours. Um, and we go up there in the summertime. It's it's going to be our six-month home at some point in our life. Oh, that's great. And it's two block, block and a half off the Lake Michigan. And uh, it's where I go and sit on the porch and rock and listen to podcasts and read books and go for long walks. And it's and, awesome. and it's awesome. Sounds like heaven, man. It's awesome in the summer. And right now there's probably about five feet of snow on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been, but I've heard of Michigan summer is the best. It's the best. That's great. All right, man. Last one. Um, here, here's the heavy one. When it's all said and done, what do you want to be remembered for? Your legacy. You know, I think mostly... Um, if it comes down to anything that I lived a life that talking about core covenants, that if people watched it, they knew one, I live for God mm. and two, I live for my family, mm. Kendall, my daughter and wife, Susan, that, that's, that's mm. the most important thing for me. I, everything else is secondary. I mean, I love what I do. I can't, I, I don't have, I tell people I don't have jobs. I have passions yeah. and that's awesome. But when it comes down to it, uh, serving God and being with being a family person would be what I want. Most I of. love it. So well said, man. I love it. Um, okay, so we're we're done. Um, where can people follow along on the on your journey or the proactive coaching journey? The best place is uh, well, one on the Facebook you get nuggets, but a lot of nuggets, yeah. right? And so yeah. you can find us on Facebook by just looking at for, up at Proactive Coaching LLC, um, and then the website is proactivecoaching.info, which is a little bit different one, but it's .info, and that's where you see our booklets. Yep, you see our schedule. You see um, this membership plus that Bruce is now doing for coaches that they can join for 30 days and get a ton of podcasts, webcast, I mean, uh, blogs, and just you can call and Skype with Bruce. Love it. That kind Love of stuff. It. So that's the, those are the two best places. And I'm not kidding, man. Your Facebook page is, a, is an enigma. It is an enigma. It is. The, it, it is. And we're in, we're in the marketing business, and um, our clients would, would – die to have the the amount of engagement and following it's fascinating stuff to see you guys post um a quote or a thought or a tidbit and then that thing just goes crazy every every single time almost without exception it's super cool rob thanks man we really appreciate your time and uh and your insights enjoyed it it was awesome